Buenos dias, Senor Lang. Uh, buenos dias, uh, Mr. O'Dwyer. Very good. I already told you the 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 Latin American Spanish for Mister, but you 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 mustn't have heard it. It's Senor. 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 Uh, and welcome to a podcast about speedy race cars. You're listening to Shift F1, uh, the the culmination of, of it's the non-Drew Scanlans. Everyone always thought that it was just, whenever you were on, it was just me putting on a voice. But here we are together. <laughs> well, your impersonation is pretty godlike. <laughs> it's pretty good. So your I can ma- see why people would make that mistake. Your mannerisms are too are too wonderful to, to not be easily uh, replicated by somebody else. Yeah, yeah you're very uh, you know for a tall white guy, you're actually quite unique in, in the way you carry yourself. So that's the, you, that's to be congratulated upon. Sure, I guess why not? Let's get, <laughs> let's, get, let's, let's like give participation trophies out while we're at it. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing lovely. Did you watch the race on the weekend? Did you enjoy it? I didn't watch it on the weekend. Uh, this weekend I was uh, traveling a little bit, but I was—I uh, did get caught up once I got home. And uh, quite, quite the quite an exciting race for once. Yeah, it was pretty good. Have you been to the U.S. Grand Prix? You, uh, you have a, a person ago. who has been to a number of them. Yeah, I went oh, to really? the CODIS once forever ago. And my, my problem is, it always is aligned with my kids. One of my kids' birthdays. Right. Um, so I, I have three. I have three kids, and their birthdays are within thirty-five days of each other between <laughs> September and October. <laughs> so it gets a little dicey. Uh, yeah, it gets a little tough. But yeah. Okay, so that's a stay-at-home month most of the time. Yeah, and then th- throw in Halloween on top of that. Uh, it makes it I makes mean, it tough to get out. So it's everyone's favorite birthday, the birthday of Satan. There or, you go. Or banshees, or witches, or fucking God knows. Excuse what. me, All Hallows Eve. Excuse me. All Hallows Eve's. Hey man, I'm Irish. We fucking invented Halloween. Don't preach Halloween to me. <laughs> do your kids? Do you do the Halloween thing in your house? Do you put out the the pumpkins and do all? Oh the yeah, my, my kids fucking love it. Um, they uh, they you know picking out what they're gonna dress up as. Like right. that's like I think that's how they have the most fun is just debating what that's gonna be. Then you know they like to. Uh, one of my oldest daughter likes to kind of make her own costumes. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Which is pretty cool. She's just kind of crafty like that. And the other kids they just go to you know party city and they're like buy the cheapest like oh that's a captain america mask give me that thing uh so they're not very creative but they they, you know then they get dressed up and it's illinois and so it's usually like 40 or kind of crummy and rainy so then they don't get to wear the costumes as they intended anyway because uh (laughs) the weather sucks but um the way it usually works is they will do like a lap around our neighborhood and then the wife takes them to this other neighborhood where they give out much better candy and they hang out with their cousins. <laughs> and I man the fort and uh, torture everyone that comes to my house for a Snickers bar. <laughs> nice. Do you, do you make them earn it? Uh, you know what? I try to get a read on it if I, if I sense they're, they're going to play ball or they're a punk-ass high school kid. Uh, then, uh, yeah, you gotta, I'm not giving it away for free. Right. Yeah. Fair play. Uh, do you dress up at all? Would you... No, I don't got. I don't got the. I would. It's like one of those. I want to, but that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, You just ordered them off the internet, man. Our costumes arrived today, and it was just like the work is already done. Well, Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's one way to go. But again, like when when you have the vision, the creative vision I have in my head, (laughs) you're talking about like 50 hours of fabrication minimum to get the look I'd want. You know. And yeah, who has the time? Who has the time? Who has the time? I mean, you you spend all that time for the for the the Pax Rumble stuff. So yeah, you know you can you've only got so much time to be making up costumes. Yeah, I mean, man. putting on those sunglasses takes a long time <laughs> for the Pax Rumble. <laughs> the, the outfit I've wanted to do forever for the, like the last four years, and I'm like, this is the year I do it. I have this purple T-shirt okay. with with Doctor Doom on it. 
Okay. And Doctor Doom is wearing sunglasses, <laughs> and underneath it it says "Get over it," right? <laughs> and so it's it's like it's an amazing T-shirt. But what I want to do is I actually want to make a Doom mask, put sunglasses on, <laughs> get like a purple cape and hood, and then like be uh you know get over it Doom. Okay. Uh, yeah. Be like be that guy with that. Did you also wear on. the shirts? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I but like I, it. Yeah, every every mask I see, I decide is not good enough, and then I start talking to cosplayers. I know how can we build one of these, and then it's like three hundred dollars. I'm like, there's got to be a better way, and that's when the dream dies every year. Yeah, every, and then it's like too close, and you're like, fuck it. Well, I'll do it next year, and then it just never happens all over again. Correct. I li- I like the um the reality breaking T-shirt. I once dressed up as a Half Life Two zombie wearing a Half Life Two shirt to as to sort of let people know what I was being. Just but, wink, like, wink, fucking, nudge, nudge. You're in on the I joke too fucking nobody knew it was like three people at this this party and <laughs> they just other nerds and then everyone else was like oh you're like a fucking diseased person like, yeah okay yeah that's exactly it correct me and my wife is going as handmaidens this year we got our big red capes it's a okay. good uh, it's good his and hers i think um also means i don't have to talk to people at the party very much i can just act weird and walk around what's so. the uh what's the maryland party scene how, did you guys already got invites lined up, or what's going on? Yeah, my fucking my wife like grew up in D.C. in in Virginia, so she's got like a like in Arlington, so she's got a bunch of friends over there. So we're going we're going to like her best friend's party, who she's not lived beside for like eight years. So the two of them are like fucking loving this now that we've moved over here. Uh, so it's great. We're also like having a housewarming party in a couple of weeks, and she's inviting like twenty people, and I'm like, "Fuck, man, <laughs> I I gotta go down to the local bar and meet a dude or something." <laughs> try right. him along. Uh, with, without outing your exact location, are you within striking distance of DC? Uh, like forty minutes. I'm closer to Annapolis, so okay. I'm over. I'm over that side because I'm in, I'm in DC and the that the Rockville area quite a bit for our Bethesda dealings. Oh really? Yes. You should let me know when you're in town because it's we're not that far. You could totally you should totally come in and crash here. You should totally stay here. Yeah, that, I would like to. You know, we never hooked up when you were in San Fran, but now That's I suspect true. the competition is going to be less heated for my time. <laughs> for so sure. I'll, I'll, now I'll probably score score a social invite. Now <laughs> I'm but. desperate to talk to people, Dave. <laughs> we're so not lonely already. We're not even recording an episode of the podcast. I just <laughs> God damn it! I knew it was a trick. Um, so the U.S. Grand Prix. It, I mean, before we actually get to the, the 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 Grand Prix itself, I want to talk to you as an American about what you thought about the sort of the razzmatazz before the whole thing kicked off. Because they put a little bit more effort this year. We had Michael Buffer uh, introducing the drivers. They had Usain Bolt, who I guess he's yeah. not really American. He's Jamaican, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. America what, loves what is- Usain Bolt, though. Yeah, they, yeah. For why not? You know, yeah. if Carl Lewis isn't around, go for the next yeah, fastest he, person. I mean, he's, he's like, it's like he, he's like the, the, our best, like non-threatening black guy right now. He's right. The best thing going. <laughs> yeah, he lost one of his medals recently, didn't he? Yeah, uh, we don't yeah. talk about that here in America. That, that wasn't his fault, though. It was someone yeah. else. All right, fair enough. So, what did you what did you think of the whole Americanization, almost the like IndyCarization of of F one? So, you know, it's interesting that you looked at it, and I did. That was not my takeaway when it was happening. Okay. Like, my takeaway was this is just the new ownership trying to make it trying to broaden appeal in general. Not right. that it was because like when I went I went to Spa this year and I talked a little bit about this that show I was on with Drew, but like the, all the, all the pre they had like the the F one fun zone and shit like that, and they had like <laughs> they had like people dressed up as like caricatures of all their drivers like walking really? around interacting with people. 
and kids it's like the fun zone stuff was like lots of kids activities and so I'm like yeah this is like 100% nothing that would have happened on Bernie's watch for sure right um and so I saw the buffer stuff and I'm like oh instantly like so okay I used to work at Midway we did ready to rumble boxing and uh, <laughs> yes, we, got, we got sued by Michael Buffer because he <laughs> he basically tra- trademarked that catchphrase and we weren't aware of it or something. And so okay. I know I know how much he charges to use ready to rumble. So I know F1 went all out for that. So I, I was I was impressed from that degree alone, but I did not chalk it up to the Americanization of the sport. I thought he was going to say, let's get ready to race or something. Like, yeah. just mix it up a little bit. But, uh, hey, I guess you pay for ready to rumble. You got ready to rumble. Yeah, I mean, you're pay- give the people what they want, you know? What did you think about Lewis Hamilton and Vettel staring each other down? Did you see that part? I did when not. They- oh, so when when he called, so he also called people out, uh, one by one, the drivers. Uh, and I only saw the end of it, so I have no idea if he called out fucking Pascal <laughs> Verline and everyone else. <laughs> Marcus but- Erickson, how's it going back there? <laughs> yeah, woo, let's get ready to fucking Kimmy. Um, actually, that'd be all right. Uh, but the- they-, they basically had the two of them like standing, like almost like promotional shot oh, like face to face yeah, yeah. kind of right yeah which is like fucking as if this is even a fight to be had like <laughs> I, I think by the time I, I took photographs at the start of the the broadcast i was watching they uh, they put up pictures of what needed to happen like the graphics of what needed to happen for sebastian vettel to, to win the title or for for hamilton to right. win the title um uh, and you know i think for hamilton to win the driver's championship he needed if Hamilton win, Vettel was needed to finish sixth or lower, Correct. which is he's either going to not finish or he's going to end up in the top four, right? And then Hamilton finish uh, sixteen points above Vettel apart um, for for any other thing, and uh, if Bottas fails to win, and then I think for uh, Mercedes to win a construction championship, Hamilton and Bottas need to win the Grand Prix. Uh, obviously, either of them, not both, uh, or Ferrari fail to outscore Mercedes by seven, seventeen points. Yeah. So really, at this stage, we're saying like you know, nobody wants to call call the race before it's over. But in the world of F one, it's highly you know, unlikely. Highly unlikely. We we don't tend to get drivers hurting themselves um, for extended periods of time. Happens every once in a while. Somebody takes a bump and hurts their back, or you know, with Massa a couple of years back when he when he got that little bit of Barrichello's car in the face, but probably not going to happen. So we go into this race thinking, you know, Vettel's going to make a go of it. They're going on their 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 outlap, and you know Hamilton's slowing down the pack and trying to make sure the Vettel's tires aren't super super hard uh, or super fast. Um, uh, but by the time they go, when the lights are out and they're about to go up the what is it equivalent of a ten story building uh, up that uh, turn into turn one, uh, it was Sebastian Vettel who got the go on Hamilton. Uh, yeah. What what did you think of that? Uh, obviously very excited as a Ferrari super fan and a Vettel mm. super fan. Um, that's the, I mean, that's the scenario you hope for. Like, I think generically, I think Vettel, if you're going to say Vettel or Hamilton, who's going to have a better start, odds are probably Vettel. Um, mm. it hasn't really materialized that many races this year, but that's kind of what you're always hoping for. So it was exactly the, the start Ferrari needed. Yeah, it was great. There wasn't that much contact either. That there's quite it's quite wide up there on that first turn. So I always feel like on, that we've had a couple of years where people have outbreak themselves or maybe turned in and did there wasn't enough space on the outside. But um, as we saw a lot during this race, if you're on the outside of that first turn, you're actually probably in a better spot anyway. Going I actually, into the S's. I actually wonder how the drivers feel about like one. Like I would rather be on the inside, right? Like so, I'm not even sure. Like that, like Vettel like looked at it, it's like. 
Yeah, I, I don't know why one's on the outside there. Like maybe it's the apex of the turn; it's better for it or something. But it presumes it pre, uh, presumes you've already got that position. We saw in the next couple of laps, we'll get to in a second. Ricardo and Bottas kind of showed off a little bit of how how much the battling of that first turn does develop into the next sort of five turns as well. Yeah. Um. But on that whole part, I think Ocon got got past Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, Alonso managed to get a jump on signs as well. Uh, it looked like Magnuson went off. I think he hit Verline around there. You um, don't say, Magnuson yeah. hit someone. Imagine that. Uh, there's only four races left, but he's determined to knock a couple of more drivers off while he's at it. And by the time they rounded off on that first lap, Vettel is actually over a second on Hamilton, uh, trying to get that DRS gap. So it's kind of looking like maybe maybe Vettel, you know, maybe the Ferrari's going to have good pace in, in Austin. Um, and Hamilton will be able to catch up with him. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's the race started off the way I wanted it to. Uh, you, you knew they had more pace coming out of qualifying. But right. you didn't know exactly how much it would be on race day, right? Because it doesn't exactly translate. So, for sure. So that whole battle at the front, we sort of think keeping an eye on it. And it, it, for the next couple of laps, the the broadcast slips back to a couple of places behind Ricardo and Bottas uh, at the start of lap two. Uh, incredible battling up into turn one and around the next uh, sort of um, Silverstone um, S's, as it were. Um, Raikkonen gets past Ocon on lap three, and then lap four again. Ricardo and Bottas do the whole rigmarole again, wheel to wheel. Nobody giving up um, an inch. That's sort of the, they're both drivers who are both respectful of the space, but also you know they're battlers. Like both of them are. Right. You know, they're not going to put their. They're, they're not crazy like Senna, but they're you know they're they're kind of like a, a competitive to a point. Yeah, exactly. Not gonna, not gonna get themselves um, retired. Uh, in that case, actually, Hulkenberg uh, then did actually retire. Um, unfortunately, uh, having some problem with, uh, with the car. Then on lap six, uh, Hamilton uh, uses his DRS and uh, actually finally does the sort of job. W- what did you think about the overtake on on Vettel? Because it it looked like almost Va- Hamilton was just waiting for his moment and then just sort of did it when he when he finally got on that big DRS straight. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of telegraphed, right? Like, Vettel right. got that huge jump, but you never saw him, like, just... If for the first lap, I think he made some distance, and then Vettel just... Or uh, Hamilton was just chomping away at it the whole time. So, mm. I wasn't a huge surprise. Uh, yeah. Uh, the story, then, uh, of the overtakes, Hamilton sort of into first, and I guess there, most of us are probably thinking, oh, that that might be murder she wrote, unless um, Vettel can do something with the pits uh, with some sort of undercut. But while that's all happening, I, I got notice of Max Verstappen, who is up past Fernando Alonso at the seventh place. He's made up nine places in seven laps. I, I, I'm sorry, ni- uh, uh, yeah, nine places in, in, in those seven laps. I kind of feel like I wish we could just put Max at the back of the pack every race. <laughs> <laughs> there should be some sort of wheel of fortune where they put at least one of them, you know. I, like, do, think, I do think all these races where like Verstappen starts last or Vettel <laughs> starts last or Hamilton starts last or whatever, like, and then they finish, they still podium somehow or they at least get top five. It's like right. kind of a pretty strong case that qualifying doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, except for the top three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it sort of shows you how you know the blue. We think about the blue flags, but we're we're not really thinking about drivers getting lapped and sometimes double lapped uh, all that often. But when you look at a car that starts and last, managed to make up that like that's like fucking rubber banding or something in yeah. Mario Kart. You know? It's yeah, absurd because it, it's. I mean, if you think about it, it's like. And it's also how fast it happens. Like, I would, like, just thinking about the math of it, right? It's like, okay, so mm. the worst driver 
probably finished like four seconds uh, behind the best driver in qualifying, right? Like, right. So four seconds. Okay, so that's like every 15 laps, you know, da-da-da-da-da, you're kind of going through this, and it's like, I, but then you're right, like three laps in, Verstappen's like halfway through the field, right? Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't I, I guess it, it's more about the acceleration and and how in the handling at that, like passing in those tight quarters than it is just flat out speed, which is probably why it happens, but it's still crazy when you think about it. It's probably a little bit easier on a track like this where there are one or two very easy overtaking spots. Right. Um, like, like that's straight if you've got DRSs and you've got a faster car is fucking easy. Uh, you know, I don't want to say easy, but it's certainly one of the easier overtakes. It's like China, you know, any anywhere you've got a DRS rate that long. Um, uh, in fact, he didn't stop there. That's uh, although I wonder. I wonder if like once you're up in the seventh, I mean, you've gobbled up over half the pack. But it's probably going to take you. It's like an anti-logarithmic or something where it's going to take you like four times more to get past the next right, person. Exactly. So it it then took him four laps to get past Ocon to get into sixth position, uh, sixth place. Um, and right after that, then the first of the pits came out. Uh, where Ricardo went in uh, around lap 12 um, and the rest of them are sort of looking at their tire wear but also checking out at the front what's going to happen in terms of pit strategy especially between Hamilton um, and and Vettel Uh, sadly though a couple of laps after Ricardo pitted um, he pulls off to the side in sector three and once again uh, has to retire it's it's yeah it's a real shame I, I I hate seeing this happen especially you know you know, racing series where essentially you've got six drivers who are in the mix and then everyone else is kind of fighting their own race. Yeah, it's not super fun. It's like definitely the worst part of the sport is like just how truly not competitive it kind of is once you get to that, like we said, the first three teams or whatever. And then if you do happen to like, you know, an Alonzo or right. you know, a Hulkenberg or a Magnuson or whatever, just how frequently, or Grosjean, how frequently they just right. don't even finish the race. For sure. Um, unfortunately, it won't be the last one we talk about um, uh, on today's podcast either. Uh, then right after that, Vettel decided to pit lap 17, so there's 40 to go on this one. It's a 57 lap race. Um, and that sort of, uh, I don't know, makes everyone else a little bit more uncomfortable. It sort of makes folks, uh, the the Mercedes sort of readjust, it makes Kimi readjust, makes everyone else sort of... Yeah, because um, Verstappen went first, and then Vettel went right after, right? You're right. Sorry, yeah. Verstappen kind of was the was the instigator. The yeah, and right? then once everyone's like, okay, Max went, what's everyone else? And then Vettel goes, and then it just started the cascade of people pitting. Yeah, and then Hamilton came in a couple of laps later. I think it was lap 20. Um, yeah, I definitely thought he, he went in one lap too late, but it, it worked out okay. It did, and it didn't seem like they were that worried necessarily, but by the time he came out of the pits, Vettel was right on his arse. Like, he barely got ahead of him in, in turn one. Yeah, the um, Ferrari pit stops were insane. Uh, is that, this is that where, they were like they 2.2 were, seconds. There was like oh, two, really? 2.2 second pit stops. It was insane. I think Hamilton had something like four seconds on Vettel before he got into the pit. Yeah. So I wonder where. I mean, maybe it was a it was the pit. Maybe it was the, just the faster tires on Vettel, and he was pumping out really fast outlaps once he got them on. But it was crazy to see that like massive gap basically completely um, right. disappear. Uh, I I wonder if they just weren't telling Hamilton to to pick up the pace, and he was coasting like. Um, yeah, on the on the NBC telecast, I don't know if they showed this on on uh, yours. If you watch that British nonsense, but the uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually played Hamilton's radio, and he's like, "Hey guys, uh, why was that so close there? What are you doing to me?" <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He like I, he yelled at the crew a bit for having come in too late. A uh, little bit of uh, or, or alternative nasty radio. Uh, lap twenty sixth, Fernando Alonso 
bloody hell, another one uh, has to, to retire, unfortunately. More problems with the car. This is the seventh time he has not finished a race um, uh, that he has started. I think it's 11 if you include non-starts um, and problems he's had uh, with uh, right near the end of the race. So all sympathy for Alonso. So I'm an Alonso fan. Like, okay. He's, he's my number one favorite racer, uh, independent of teams or whatever. But any sympathy I have is evaporated that he re-signed with McLaren, right? I, like, you re-sign with this team that can't field, and I realize it's the power unit, it's this, but it's not just the power right. unit this year, right? It's not just that. And uh, the minute you re-sign with them, it's like, okay, I am i don't care, essentially. It's not about winning for me anymore. It's about, you know, all the other stuff. So I, I don't feel bad for Alonso anymore. I, every time he retires and he's looking pissed off, I'm just kind of like, okay, well, you did this. Where do you think he should be then? Because it seems like the, 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 the top three teams, he hasn't got a spot, right? Like, they're all sort of locked up. There's well, a couple of I other mean, spots. I, I, another... I mean, tell me a team that if he, you know, so let's like Will- go into Williams? this conversation with the, with the statement. That I know nothing about how this stuff works. Okay. Right? Either do I. Yeah. But, like, let's say it's like what I would suspect would happen is there's probably rules in place that prevent tampering or whatever. But, like, you know Fernando's agent could call up Mercedes and could call up Red Bull could call up Williams, could call up Ferrari and be like, hey, uh, Alonzo wants to drive for you next year, right? Like halfway mm. through the season. They would figure out a way to make that happen, right? Like, <laughs> they, I doubt they would, you think they would have like re-signed Kimi if they knew Alonzo wanted to come back? Like, no way. That's a right? fair point. Like, yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't, once again, I don't know how it happens. I don't know how particular all this stuff is, but like, it's like, you know, if like LeBron James says, oh, yeah, you know what, I think I want to play for Dallas. Like, I suspect he'll be on Dallas next year no matter what, you know? Right. I wonder if, you know, Hamilton and, and Alonso were um, teammates in the past. I wonder if the Bottas situation, maybe that was one where he should have jumped in a little bit quicker when, when Rosberg decided to... What is it about McLaren, do you think, that keep that keeps him? Like, I like, just assume it's the money. Like I think, the money, could, yeah. could the money be that good? Well, what what I heard, again, I haven't read this on the internet anywhere, but he's making $50 million. Right. And fifty million is not that crazy a salary for a top driver, but it is a crazy salary for a non-competitive team. Yeah, and so you know he cannot deal with all the other stuff and still make fifty million a year, right? So <laughs> I think that's a pretty compelling pitch. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose you've got a world title that sort of helps a little bit as well. I'm sure. And he, he um, did, I might be wrong, but didn't he start at McLaren? Is that where he got to start? Oh, I don't actually know. I want to. Those were the years up. I was off the radar a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do a little bit of research there if you, yeah. if you can, if you haven't got a mechanical keyboard. <laughs> I've got a mechanical <laughs> keyboard, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah. no worries. Uh, so pushing on, lap twenty-six. We're almost hitting the mid part of this um, uh, 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 race. Uh, Ocon, um, I think it was a pair. Ocon on Massa um, was a really interesting battle. Massa would sort of. I don't know. I don't know. He's kind of racing for his position a little bit. I feel like he retired a little bit reluctantly and has gotten his space back. And now we're not really sure what's going to happen over there with the with uh, the 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 pole sitting on the outside and a couple of other ones uh, trying to get that seat. Uh, but Ocon almost tried to get past him, and then um, Perez managed to get him as well. They were sort of both past Massa, and then Massa actually ended up and pitting instead. And then right. it, the, there was a sort of a battle between Carlos Sainz catching uh, Perez as well. Um, and whether or not those teammates are supposed to swap, um, uh, swap places or whatnot, there was, there was. I think the team radio said we need more management. Esteban is doing the management to Perez, <laughs> to sort of to, to get Perez to calm the fuck down. But he's basically worried about signs having his lunch. 
um, while he's uh, while he's stuck behind his teammate. What do you think of Signs? I think Signs is a great driver. I think he's one of the like, um, he's one of the like possible championship winners in the future. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And I was because of that I'm surprised I didn't hear his name rumored more in other stuff. You know? Yeah, I wonder if it's just a case of there's a lot. Of, they're so young now, Dave. They're like a lot of these drivers are. They're, they're they're like they've still got ten years ahead of them. So yeah. it's I kind of feel like you know maybe maybe some of them are able to are cut out for having the big leagues right away. With like a Verstappen, I guess is a one in a million. Yeah, he, or you could he look just turned twenty, right? Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or you could look at someone like Kvyat, who maybe is the other side of that, where maybe success too quickly can end up actually hurting them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I think signs. I know Khan as well. Okan's a, a, a terrific driver as well. Um, Perez, though, I'm not so sure about. Well, what's your take on him? Um, I mean, he's not in the, in my mind. He's not in the same bucket as the other people we just mentioned. You know, hmm. uh, like I think for me, if I wanted to bet on like one, if I was building a team from the entire field, and I wanted to get like one new talent and one proven talent. Right. I think obviously the new talent's Max. Like I don't think that's debatable. Yeah. Right. Like, but short of Max, I would definitely probably go Signs. Probably, and for established, I would probably go. It's either Vettel or Hamilton, but Hamilton. probably yeah. Like so, probably Vettel. Um, but yeah. So I mean, those those guys. Like, there's just, but you're right. There's so many good young drivers now. It's kind of like embarrassment of riches. Yeah, for sure. We've had so many in so many short years as well. It's interesting that a lot of the like replacements for Massa are actually drivers who've been around for quite a while. Like, what happened to um, Rossi? Kind of came and went. What happened to him? Do you know? Oh, it's a good point. Actually, yeah, he did just kind of come and go. Because he was well, like, you I know, guess... he, this will be the driver that gets Americans into F one and blah blah, yeah. blah 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 blah, and then just kind of disappeared. I don't even know what happened to him. You could say the same thing about Paul DeResta and 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 maybe Palmer as well. Where, you know, we've had a lot of sort of like flash in the pan. Um, drivers. Yeah, I feel like I, maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't. I don't think like Julian Palmer had a bunch of bad breaks, right? Yeah. And the thing is, I can't even remember what Rossi did, which was weird. Probably telling, I guess, <laughs> that he's not even here anymore. But uh, <laughs> right. whereas like Palmer's, I think Palmer's had a bunch of really bad fucking luck. Yeah. His his his, his, his yeah. I feel like his his downfall played out in front of everyone in a way that Rossi just sort of went out with a whimper and, and yeah. Palmer went out with a little bit of, I wouldn't say a bang, but certainly more of a bang than, than him. Um, but it was nice to see them a little bit of fighting going back there. I, I like Perez when I go to Mexico as well, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So um, nice to see him um, having a bit of a fight there. Uh, Sainz got past Perez on lap 33. Kvyat was on Perez as Ars then on 34. Um, and then up front, Raikkonen uh, gets uh, almost past Bottas. Uh, they're getting uh, quite close at the, the top there. Um, Verstappen pits on 38. Uh, and then, uh, I guess, Vettel pitted to... Um, at that stage as well. To yeah, and I was I, so those I thought for Verstappen's pit. Wait, so without spoiling anything, yeah. At the time, I thought it was super curious, right? And then, because yeah. um, it's like you know he had on the regulars or whatever the softs, and it seemed like originally when he went on to those, I'm like, oh, he's gonna try to finish on those, and then to go mm. to super soft with twenty left, it was like I'm just like I don't understand what's happening here. But then Vettel did the exact same thing, right. So I guess there was the metrics or whatever that we didn't know about was was telling them that that's where to push, or that perhaps just because Verstappen was doing it again, Vettel sort of needed to uh, right. at that stage as well. Um, 
Masagok plus Grosjean into 10th on the on the next lap. He's back into the points. Kimi finally gets past Botas on lap 42. Um, uh, and and they're, uh, he's pretty happy about that. And then Ericsson uh, and Magnussen um, have a rather interesting coming together while Hamilton is trying to get past them. That was um, a weird one. It was. So Hamilton sort of is, is trying to get past, uh, I think it was Ericsson. No, it was Magnussen on the end of the the very long DRS straight at the the far side of the track. He does, as sort of Ericsson allows him, or Magnussen allows him to to get out, uh, give him the space, Ericsson sort of breaks, I think I'm I'm maybe getting the sun's mixed up, but he he basically tries to use that that gap to slide in there and essentially sort of like T-bones him. Yeah, it seemed like Magnussen, like, uh, you know, he was respecting the blue flags. Right. But he, you know, Erickson took advantage, full advantage of that, right? Hmm. And made a move on the inside. The thing is, I saw something fly off, but I didn't see him actually connect. Like, I saw the replay several times. Was that a piece of uh, the front fin, the front spoiler uh, th- from from Erickson's car? Or what was that? Yeah, it seemed like a tiny bit of the wing maybe yeah. clipped off. But it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't any. There was no puncture and it was nothing else. But um, it was enough uh, to knock him out of the way, at least. Uh and I have a very weird note here on my notes, which I'm hoping you can help me with. I'm not sure. I just have eagle shadow question mark. Was that, so on the on the on the on the broadcast I was watching, there was a fucking like you know every once in a while when you're watching F1 you catch the helicopter shadow. Oh yeah, I did see that across the track there. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw some yeah. eagle. So it was yeah. like an eagle thing, and I was like, it fucking totally freaked me out. It was like huge, and I'm like, there's no way there's an eagle that big. So th- were they flying like a? Did you see that a couple of times? Or yeah. Flying some sort so of actually, e- what you don't know about <laughs> about Texas is the eagles aren't actually any bigger than normal eagles, but they do oh. fly incredibly close to the sun. Okay. So it makes their shadows much bigger. <laughs> it's a little known fact about Texas. Yeah. You're gonna make me even more intrigued as to what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, I cannot help you there. No, if somebody, yeah, uh, shift f1 dot uh, com uh, forward slash contact us or whatever if you want to let me know what the goddamn I have in there. Um, signs trying to get past Ocon on lap. Hold on, real quick, back to that. What did you think of Ericsson getting a five second penalty for that that little actual Magnuson? Yeah, I don't know. I think, like, kind of like if he had if he had if he had managed to get past him and not fuck up. Uh, Magnuson so much like maybe but he did like win the place by hitting him yeah because I mean so. it's it's in the thing is it's in F1's best interest that everyone plays by the rules of the blue flags and doesn't take advantage of the blue flags and Erickson definitely like you know didn't do anything wrong but also right kind of it's kind of a, a douche move there friend and have, uh, you, have you played Gran Turismo Sport can we talk about sportsmanship so I, I've not played Gran Turismo Sport yet <laughs> No. <laughs> well, they got they talk a lot about sportsmanship and about doing things to make you look like a bad driver, make you look bad. You don't look bad. Ericsson looked bad. Yeah, it. I agree. I agree with you that. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so lap fifty one, we're up to now. There's not too much left at this stage. Uh, Verstappen passed Bottas, uh, sent him inside, and he got the grip on the outside of that overtake. It was pretty wonderful. There were some back markers involved in it as well. Um, Vet, uh, Verstappen really, uh, or sorry, yeah, Vet, Vet, no, was that Vettel? Sorry, that was Vettel. Yeah. Vettel, yeah, sorry. I have VET and VES and VER have all <laughs> become <laughs> confusing ever since he fucking changed all over again. 
Um, at that stage, Kimi basically sort of lets uh, Vettel pass. Um, Verstappen then on Bottas, he manages to overtake him on lap 53. Um, uh, and he eventually gets it. So at this stage, we're looking at Hamilton and then Verstappen and then Kimi and then... Uh, sorry, Hamilton, Vettel, Kimi and then Verstappen behind right. him in fourth. He's managed to get from the back of the pack the whole way up to fourth. Chomping at the bit for that podium spot if you can do it. So at that stage, basically, Hamilton's away and gone. Uh, Vettel's way too far to, to, to get first place, but he'll grab second. Um, and all eyes on lap 56 at Verstappen and Kimi Raikkonen and everyone seeing if he can do it at the end of that DRS race and he can't and you sort of think murder she wrote at that stage but if there's anyone who could find a spot to overtake uh, which people aren't looking for it's Max Verstappen and yeah. on the third last corner on that big old American flag double right-hander uh, he manages to to duke past Kimi who looked like he was protecting um perhaps Vettel having a lack of fuel, but at this stage it actually looks like maybe Kimi is struggling a little bit and is running out of fuel. Uh, and Verstappen dives up the inside in like a... almost like sort of Interlagos Hamilton winning the, the championship sort of style, like second to last corner, and he manages to pull it off. Um, what was your read at the time at what happened? Did you think it was a, a legal pass? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they the thing that was interesting about it for me is like they had the perfect the 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 lot the world director the feed director had the perfect perfect uh, camera angle set up because like you could just see Kimmy sliding around corner that corner right, <laughs> right. Like, his tires had just like they just gave up yeah. and he was slipping and he was kind of almost drifting a little bit and then Verstappen sure enough just put the foot down and he had the grip and just took it so like. Hard to be mad about that. I mean, you know, if it was the, ra the race was one lap shorter, uh, we're not in that situation as a Ferrari fan. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's lost his tires. Right. Uh, and it's always a, it's always such a shame where it happens right at the end, but I guess there's not much you can do about it. Um, I suppose it turns probably, out, it depends that probably your perspective on that matters, whether it's a shame or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, it ended up not being a shame uh, for Kimi Raikkonen because, uh, as we can say, Hamilton went through. Uh, Mercedes get world uh, championships. They win the constructive minute he crosses the line. Um, Vettel gets in there, too, at number, uh, number two. And then Verstappen comes in three, and the three of them are sitting in the green room before they're going to get to get their um pick up their trophies and then the sort of talk on the feed i was watching at least was replays of the incident showing that all four of his wheels were actually outside of the track when he got that uh, overtake yeah um and then <laughs> sort of interesting feeds jumping between uh a sort of uh verstappen who doesn't really understand doesn't know what's happening yet and then a bunch of people finding Kimi Räikkönen and <laughs> dragging him up to the green room yeah and then a sort of a subtle e like chat like you know a subtle mention to to verstappen who then sort of you know walks out with his with his tail between his legs um sort of shaking his head a little bit yeah i mean i get why he's i i goof on verstappen all the time it's kind of like my second <laughs> job um but I totally understand why he's frustrated about that. Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I, I get it. And uh, as as a Ferrari purist, I'm, I'll accept the result. Uh, right. But I totally understand why he's salty. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe there, maybe he could have gone the outside. Maybe there was some. Well, what what do you think gone. about that? I I, th I thought I would have in in a perfect world. I would I love the world in which Verstappen nails that overtake 
and does it legally and win and gets his podium spot but like when you watch the replays there's one replay that looked like he was okay there's another one that looks like it's a little bit dodgy and there's another one that like totally looks like all four wheels are off the track yeah so like you know, i mean there's I'm, no I, way that's like, the only time that whole race like anyone's four wheels were off the track right <laughs> right it's like a complete case of like so i don't believe i'm arguing for verstappen against ferrari here but here i go <laughs> um like it is a complete like case of selective enforcement in my mind, right? And so, right. like, given that, it's like it's like you know in basketball, when the ref like in a perfect world the refs just put their whistles away for the last fifteen seconds, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like whatever fucking happens happens here. You kind of like just short of murdering someone, no, no penalties can <laughs> get called. I kind of that's why I kind of think it's horseshit, but. I feel like, you know what, if you're going to, like, push somebody over when you're doing a marathon, don't do it on the checkered flag. Right, like, that's precisely. What, that, it, so, yeah. uh, you know, sad, but, but you know, all things considered, it's not exa- it doesn't really matter what the points are for anyway, so. Yeah. At that stage. Um, yeah, so that was our, uh, that was the end of our, our race, landing us in a, in an interesting spot leading up to the, the final, the final showdown, which, is only three races away, but it was probably going to be decided this very weekend, Dave, as we're going to Mexico for the next Grand Prix. Um, one driver that will not be there, though, sadly, is Mr. Daniel Kvyat. Um, got a report from F1 Fanatic here saying that Helmut Marco confirms he won't be returning. Daniel Kvyat's F1 career with Red Bull and Toro Rosso was over, according to the team's motorsport advisor, Helmut Marco. Toro Rosso will not recall the 23-year-old who made his Grand Prix debut for them in 2004. Uh, Marco told uh, Autobuild. The team announced on Monday that Pierre Gasly would return to the team. Uh, we talked last week about he was off uh, driving in, in, in Japan last week. Uh, in Kvyat's place for his weekend for this weekend's Mexican Grand Prix, Gasly will be partnered by Brendan Hartley, who I think, did he come second last? I think, yeah. last week? I forget, Some, somewhere in there. Um, who made his F1 debut. Yeah, I think Magnuson finished America. last, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah. And then there was four retirements or whatever. Uh, Kivat finished 10th in what now looks to have been his final race for the team. Uh, actually a pretty decent race as well, all things considered. Uh, Hartley, who had a grid penalty due to power unit, finished in 13th. Uh, after the race, Kivat was very pleased with his performance, describing it as more than perfect. There you go. Uh, the best race of the season well, for sure. at least he stayed he humble. I, right? Hey, man, I bet at that stage there was ever a time to puff up your fucking tail feathers. It was perhaps your last race yeah. uh, he said it was fantastic got the maximum out of the car very happy about it uh, I know I've done a perfect Friday perfect Saturday and even more perfect Sunday I yeah I mean what's not to like this. about this kid <laughs> so I don't know what else I can do famous last words unfortunately uh, Kivat started a total of 72 races for Toro Rosso and Red Bull uh, he was promoted to the top team at the end of his first year at Toro Rosso, so, uh, following Sebastian Vettel's move to Ferrari. He took podium finishes at the 2015 Hungarian Grand Prix and again the following year in China, but at the next rest he collided twice with Vettel at the start and was dropped to make way for Max Verstappen. He returned to Toro Rosso and was retained for this season before being dropped for good. I feel like that two-race odyssey that happened in 2015, him doing so well and then having that awful collision um, uh, with Vettel, the double collision um, uh, in the following race, which I believe was in Russia, I think, wasn't it? Um, was was just disastrous. I, yeah, he had a run there where I remember, like it was last season, right the five races before he got demoted, he just had an awful, awful run. And yeah. then I remember him being super salty about being demoted. And the thing that 
was unfortunate for him is he wasn't like the clear cut number one on Toro Rosso, right? Right. So like if you get demoted and then you're still not the clear cut number one on the B team, it's like well, what more do you want a team to do there, right? It's like yeah, like are we really going to invest more in you or take a shot at somebody else? So. He was almost lucky that he he got promoted to a Red Bull that wasn't really that competitive. Like Red Bull were sort of sitting in that pretty safe in that third spot. I felt like around yeah. that era, so you know there wasn't really much they were fighting for necessarily. They weren't scrapping with the Williamses, and they certainly weren't fighting with Mercedes or Ferrari. So, yeah, I feel for him. I think his his downfall has been rather public and sort of lengthy as well. Yeah. Uh, but can't really disagree with it either. We'll, well see. I mean, if it, it, so, yeah, ultimately, it probably sadly gets down to how his personal sponsorships are. Yeah, you know, if he's and, got if he's got some uh, oil Russian oil backer, uh, I'm sure you know maybe he's driving a pink car next year. We'll see. <laughs> what do you think Brendan Hartley has? He's a uh, Kiwi, so they probably have like yeah. Lord, what 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 we got? What what what? What are the what's racist, the major racist New Zealand Maybe, maybe it's just Weta Digital. <laughs> Right. Maybe Mike. like what a digital score your do all the effects for your next movie for half off. There you go. Yeah. You could have said just Lord of the Rings, but I like that you went that little bit deeper to just sort of like make make the Well Lord of the Rings the, is a global brand, Danny. You okay. know, Weta Weta, Weta, Weta okay. is a New Zealand product. <laughs> um in other news, we may be getting streaming Formula One finally. Motorsport.com reports F one plans to launch an online live streaming service for the fans in twenty eighteen as part of a radical overhaul of its digital and broadcast strategies, with F1's new owner, Liberty Media, having spent the last 12 months analyzing the sport and posting a lot of it to YouTube, I should say, as well. Um, both plans are being put in place that will change the way fans watch Grand Prix racing. How do you find the uh, your Grand Prix watching experience right now, Dave? Are you happy with NBC Sports Network? Would you prefer something a little bit more dedicated? Uh, I'm totally happy with it. Um, I think they do a good job of explaining things for idiots like me. And, uh, you know, like I rarely watch uh, the pregame or postgame stuff. I'm just kind of right. about that stuff in the middle. So I can't really comment on the job they do with those things. But, like, for me, uh, yeah, I, like I really like the three people that do the commentating. I think it's a good mix. Mm. So I'm happy with it. But I'm also pretty ignorant of what the other options are. Like I've never watched it on Sky or anything like that. So I don't even know. The one difference I found when I watched a lot of NBC, I watched NBC Sports Network over in Drew's place was uh, the ad breaks. That sort of like threw me a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, um, I've only ever known them. So, it's, well, right, was is, is that why the subs? So you have to sub for Sky, right, to get it. You, you don't want to know what you got to do to get Sky. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, they use the Sky highlights on YouTube as well, so you can kind of catch a little bit of it if you want to watch their YouTube highlights. Um, okay. On the F1 channel, they've been putting them putting them there pretty good. Um, and then the BBC used to do it, of course, but uh, that sort of uh, fell by the wayside. And Channel Four used to do it, and that's all kind of a little bit messy now. Um, uh, back to the article. Although uh, the plans have not formally been announced, F1's commercial chief. Uh, Sean Bratches has told Morrisport.com that the sport had no choice but to pursue an OTT offering if it was to going to attract bigger audiences in the future. We have an obligation to our fans, quite candidly, to ensure that they're able to access our content um, in any means they want, he said. And I think it uh, we would be uh, derelict if we pursue a path of anything else other than that. So what I've read about that in other places is that it sounds like any country that has an existing license is going to be able to get this stuff. It's countries where they don't have an F1 broadcast that are going to suffer. So okay. this is, seems like it's good for, for most of Europe and North America as well. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so I that's that sounds good to me. Let's take it for a spin and see how it is. Exactly right. Like, how bad can it be? And like any a lot of like the the you know the I think WWE Network ended up being very consumer focused. I like that. I think UFC TV, which I have used in the past, have sort of fallen out of favor a little bit with it recently. Um, but I think for the longest time that was pretty good as well. So I'm pretty happy with the way a lot of sports have dealt with this stuff. Like, the, like if they could solve the one, this is probably not a problem for the majority of people that watch F1. But like, one thing that bums me out is. Like, F1 season kind of corresponds with my travel season for work. Right. And so I'm always in weird places, and I hate when, like, you can't watch stuff. Like, you know, like, even if it's being broadcast by the same company in Europe or the UK and America, it's like, nope, I bought the license in America, and I can't watch it in the UK. Like, if they could figure that stuff out, I would be eternally grateful, because it's really a bummer. Yeah, I hate that stuff. Uh, As somebody who has lived in multiple countries and goes back to those countries a lot as well um it's really annoying to have something bought on like amazon and then go home and then it's i can't stream it there and some shit like that yeah um yeah so fingers crossed i feel like moto gp does a really good job of that as well one of my favorite things is they have is the spoiler free version which doesn't have like big dirty thumbnails with like the winner's face on it um for the video which is pretty cool uh, so hopefully they can learn from that as well. Um, I actually never ran down the uh, the 2017 U.S. Grand Prix uh, results, so I should do that. Lewis Hamilton in first, Sebastian Vettel in second, Kimi Räikkönen in third, Max Verstappen in fourth after he got kicked back down again. Uh, to, what actually happened is he got a five-second grid penalty and knocked him down. Uh, not enough to get Valtteri Brothas above him, though. He landed fifth, Ocon sixth, Sainz seventh, Perez eighth. Uh, Massa ninth managed to stay in there. Danny Kvyat scoring points on his f- perhaps his final ever F1 race. We'll have to see. Tenth um, position. Last. You're broken sp- up uh, about this, huh? Ah, I just hate anyone missing out. I was broken up about uh, about Palmer as well. Like anyone, I- and Deresta, and like any of the rest of them. Even even a little bit felt bad for Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> Maybe we'll get it back in another one. Um, Lance Stroll in 11th Stoffel Van Dorn in 12th Brandon Hartley or Brendan Hartley everyone seems to pronounce his name differently in 13th Rogro in 14th Marcus Erickson in 15th and coming up the rear Kevin Magnussen in the Haas in 16th position we had non-finishes from Fernando Alonso Daniel Ricciardo Pascal Verlein and unfortunately, the Hulk himself, Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, looking at the driver standings, Lewis Hamilton's uh, right, sitting up pretty in first position. Uh, probably going to get it in Mexico. We'll talk about how he can do that in a hot second. 331 points. Vettel in second behind him. Botas in third. Danny Ricardo fourth. Likely that none of those will change either. They're all pretty close to each other. Um, Kimmy's a little bit close to Ricardo in fifth position. He's uh, only 29 points behind him, so we'll see about that. Max Verstappen, then Maz behind in sixth, uh, with acres of space behind him. Uh, Sergio Perez in seventh. Ocon in eighth. Sainz in ninth. Massa in tenth. Hulkenberg, 11th. Lance Stroll, only two points behind him in 12th, so it'll be a little bit of movement around this area. Roman Grosjean in 13th with 28. K-Mag in 14th with 15. Stoffel van Doren, 15th with 13. Alonso. 10 points, 16. Julian Palmer, not getting any points from there either. 17th position with 8. Pascal Verlein, 18th position. Kvyat, who will finish his final season um, in 19th spot uh, with 5, unless Marcus Ericsson, Antonio Giovinazzi, Pierre Gasly, or Brendan Harley can get 
any points on their boards. Uh, at the end of that race, Mercedes won the Constructors' Championships. They're sitting up there in first with 575. Ferrari in second, Red Bull third, Force India fourth, Williams, Mercedes fifth, Toro Rosso in sixth, seventh is Renault, Haas, Ferrari eighth, um, McLaren Honda with 23 points in ninth with Sauber sitting on five. So they're probably sitting at the back as well, unless they manage to win a race. Yeah. <laughs> or at least get on the podium a bunch of times. So let's talk about the Mexican Grand Prix a little bit. I know it's a long podcast this time. We've got a lot to talk about. But what I want to talk about first, Dave, is what Hamilton needs to win the championship. Apparently See, this, is, this is why I love being on this show. Right? Oh, yeah? I learn something every time I'm on this show. Please explain to me the scenarios in which my my F1 season is going to be ruined. Please explain them to me in depth. <laughs> so, if Vettel wins and he gets his 25 points, let's just let's rein it back a little bit more. So, for the 10 places, right? So, first place gets 25, second gets 18, third gets 15, fourth gets 12, and then you're down to fifth gets 10, uh, sixth gets eighth, and then six, four, two, and then one if you're in 10th. It's how the cookie crumbles. So Vettel wins. It gets his 25 points. Hamilton needs to finish no lower than fifth place. So he needs 10 points. So, yeah. So he has to either he does he wins or he doesn't finish the race. <laughs> kind of, right? Like, and this year's mark is pretty stable, Yeah, I feel like, in comparison. Um, if Vettel finished second. It's really Kimmy would, just to be a mensch and just bang into him. Totally. Like that we, like we need to... just let's close out every race with Kimmy just crashing into, <laughs> into Hamilton. Every time. He just like he just pits to yeah. be blue to be blue flagged and then fucking crashes into him every time. Perfect. Um if Vettel manages not to get first, which so we're talking about either Botas winning or Kimmy being the worst teammate in the world, um Hamilton would need to uh, finish only ninth place. We'd need a paltry two points to be champion. And you can extend this out over the next two races as well. So really what Vettel needs is to win essentially the next three races, or at least two of them and points in another one. Um, And then for Hamilton to basically retire from the next three races. Uh, Any other result for the German actually wins the the title to Hamilton. So he needs to at least come second. Um, Vettel does. Uh, and uh, if Vettel retires, obviously, any stage during the race, then Hamilton um, will automatically become uh, the winner, regardless of whatever points he gets. So uh, that's the way that one's going to go down. Have you ever been to the Mexican Grand Prix? It only recently came back. No, yeah, I've never been. I think it was last year or was it two years ago, the first year it came back? I think it was two years ago because they've, they've had a little bit of a change of it all like, again. I know it's been around for a long, long time. It was back in the sort of late 80s, I think, in 86. Um, was when it when it came back the last time, um, and they got rid of some of the crazy high speed turns they had. Uh, they had a really crazy high speed right hander right at the start, which they've turned into sort of a little bit of a higgledy piggledy part now. Um, and they slowed down a bunch of it again uh, for for this race. Um, I don't want to go into extensive detail around this one necessarily. Um, the sort of the end of the first sector with the S's is a wonderful part of the track between turn seven and eleven, um, and then the sort of last little part as you're going into the. Uh, the, the baseball arena, which is a rather unique uh, element yeah. to an F1 race. I always loved that shit. And it, it's like the least competitive part of the track, but it's so much fun. Yeah, the novelty value is very high. It's so it's so cool. It's yeah. like a yeah, like stadiums on all three sides. 
um, turns, I think it's 13 through 16. Uh, there's two DRS zones on this one as well, one on the start finish straight, which is the fastest part of the track, uh, plus 300 um, going down there, and then there's one almost immediately afterwards. Um, actually, I say that SS section is in sector two, rather. Uh, almost immediately afterwards, the first three turns, then there's another straight as well uh, there, so you'll, you'll get a lot of cars. Uh, pushing uh, top plus 300 speeds uh, down into that as well before a sharp left-hander. Um, tends to be very hot down there. We don't ever see rain, I don't feel like. Um, and uh, there's been a bunch of interesting sort of incidents down there, but generally it, it tends to be a, a rather sort of benign race, to be honest. So I feel like whoever's going to qualify up front, if we do see Hamilton and, you know... When Hamilton's in a good mood, he tends to to get his pole positions. Yeah. If we do see him do that, I kind of feel like I might get. I mean, with the possible that. exception being that if uh, Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull run into a problem during qualifying and have to start from the back, oh wait, no, then they'll still finish in the top three. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I want to ask you, as a Ferrari fan, right? So at the start of this year, the first four races in, it seemed really exciting. It seemed like, oh my god, we might actually have a fight this year. We might actually see a race between two teams and not just the two teams on the one team fighting to see which one of them was going to win. So how do you feel about how the 2017 season has sort of ended up? So uh, when, when it looked like Vettel had it for, or was in the contention at least for a good while. Yeah, I mean, he was leading for a while. I, I think mm. generically I'm happy with the season. Um, I think it's the stride year on year is impressive. Uh, yeah. I the, the thing, I think like the, the Constructors Championship, I think – you know, was over because, like, Kimmy wasn't doing great at the beginning. So, like, I, I kind of gave up on the constructors halfway through. But, like, right. the Drivers' Championship really wasn't over until Vettel had those two races in a row that he he's had the horrible luck in. Yeah. So, what, like, what it a was, nightmare. It went, from, it went from being, like, oh, he's, like, 17 points back or hmm. whatever it was to, okay, now he's 100 points back in, like, two races. So, uh, it was – you know, all in all, hard to argue with that. Some sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Yeah, I wish I, I, you know, even as a, you know, somebody who doesn't necessarily want any team to necessarily win, I was so disappointed with the way Vettel those sort of three or four races went, where he he was either out entirely or or just was slipping back a little bit because it. In the in the space of a number of weeks, it all just sort of totally flipped on its head, and then. Hamilton's weird man I feel like whenever Lewis has like whenever he's feeling confident he's winning races like it's like it's easy and whenever he's not he's falling over all over the place like right. I feel like Rosberg got the mental game on him in a way that like what, yeah. for whatever reason Vettel just didn't yeah I mean it's weird all these guys have been racing their you know since cart days right their entire lives right. right so there must be like I mean, it's like Nico would always say, like, hey, listen, uh, you know, Hamilton's got more natural ability than me, but I work harder in the gym and I you know, right. blah, 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 blah. And, like, just always seemed like such a little toady, you know? <laughs> Whereas Vettel is just, like, an icy killer. Like, so nice. I don't, if you're going to be shook by, by fucking Nico and you're not going to be shook by Vettel, like, I don't understand what's going on there. So I'm not sure I subscribe to, to this line of thinking, but um, it's got to be something. What what do you I feel? What do you think about Vettel being a little whiny bitch this year? I love it. I think really? It's yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> like, if you like, listen, it's like it's like a you know NBA analogy. You know, when Dennis Rodman <laughs> was on the Pistons, I fucking hated Dennis Rodman. 
Right. But then when the Bulls got Dennis Rodman, I fucking loved Dennis Rodman. Right? Like, <laughs> as long as he's on your team, it's rad. Everyone else hates him. But, uh, yeah, I think it's like just just like yelling at the stewards. That that one time he got the penalty for – that was fucking stupid on his part. But, like – For hitting uh, into Hamilton? Yeah, for just salty. Yeah. Just like, like – like, Not even Assaulting. like – Assaulting. Like, it's like no one's even racing. Like, there's no way you're getting away with this. It is like body <laughs> hip check him in the middle of this, like, yellow flag. But – um, everything else I'm down with uh, this year, uh, kind of like salt wise. That was the only thing I'm like, okay, reel reel it back in a little bit. And I think since then, yeah, he has. yeah, he wasn't gonna get a pass on that one. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll have to see what happens next year. I don't want to be talking about next year already, but I'm 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 excited to see what happens with the the little switch around of some of the engines as well. We'll we'll have to see. I'm really interested to see how Toro Rosso do next year on that Honda engine. I'm sure uh, he'll be great. Be. You know what would yeah, be amazing? Uh, if they actually do fucking totally, do amazingly well. Fucking And then totally. fucking Honda. And fucking all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know, this is the year they figure it out. And then fucking uh, you got McLaren there still finishing like last and last and last. Just fucking hold, shaking fist at Sky. That would be amazing. Yeah, Alonso just memeing it up because he's yeah. got nothing else to do. That'd oh, be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty funny. Uh, we've got three races left this year before all that hat kicks off. Uh, we've got Abu Dhabi at the end of the year, uh, Brazil uh, in November too. But the last race of October comes up this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday in Mexico. First practice session, these are Pacific times, kicks off Are you looking on forward Friday. to uh, Massa's next retirement? <laughs> right. Are you looking Fuck, forward to I've, it again? I mean, I feel like this retirement is going to be either forced upon him <laughs> or they're going to keep him around. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I, that was such a fucking. Do you remember that shit? Do you remember? It was. The, it's like I, I typically, generally, I don't like Massa. Right. Uh, I never really. Liked, yeah, not even when he was on Ferrari, I always thought he was kind That's of. That's because like, you're an Alonso fan, right? Because he was just his whipping boy for so long. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but then you know, last year, even I had to acknowledge how awesome it was that like you know he's walking down pit row, right, and the race director stayed on him even though the race is going. And his family's there, and it's very emotional, and everyone's all tears, and like all the pit crews come out. Yeah, like all the well, everybody coming out and shaking hands with him, and giving him five, and like even I had to acknowledge that was a pretty amazing moment, right? Yeah. And then he almost, goes, almost, almost good enough to just fucking retire on. It's just so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, what do you? Oh God, it was just so dumb. So uh, this year, if anything like that happens again, I'm immediately changing the channel. <laughs> I'm gonna be so fucking I, salty. It, like, could you imagine if he cr- if he crashed in the same spot again? Fantastic. Yeah, they're like walking down the aisle, his head's on a swivel, looking for everyone to come out. Everyone's just kind of like lifting up their newspapers, pretending they don't oh. see him. Yeah, I'm just I'm just happy more than anything else that he is a sort of like a. Do you ever have that thing where you've had like you've had a bad memory happen in a place, so you want to like a, you want to put a good memory on that place. You want to like go back and like right. have a good time there. I feel like what he had was like Interlagos was like where he lost the championship on the last turn, where Hamilton fucking won the championship yeah, yeah, yeah. in his hometown. Like fucking like the way it was written in the stars came crashing down, and at least now he has that fond memory on it. But it is a little bit weird that yeah he decided to come back. Yeah, I mean it's not you could still ruin it. So. <laughs> he could. Yeah. There's plenty more plenty more races left. If he had any um, dignity, actually, he just wouldn't even race. He would just, he would wow. just like, let the test driver wow. have a spin or something if he had any dignity. Let his son race. Yeah, what, he, he, whatever. He it doesn't matter. Just he, you sit this his, one out. His son can beat Daniel Ricciardo on a little go-kart on their on their balcony in Monaco. So I yeah, feel like obviously strong. He's ready. He's got those genes. He's yeah. ready. Just watch out for Ruben Barrichello's son's back of his car. 
Um, or gears flying off of it. Uh, the US, sorry, the Mexican Grand Prix, first practice session, uh, October 27th, that is this Friday uh, at the ripe old time of 8 a.m., second practice on at noon, third practice on on Saturday at 8 a.m., qualifying a little bit earlier as usual on uh, 11 o'clock that morning, and then the Mexican Grand Prix live from Mexico City, some 2,000 feet above sea level, where turbochargers need something like 10% more oxygen to work or something, uh, will be live at noon o'clock on the 29th of October, Sunday perfect time for all you US uh, F1 fans in fact Brazil is pretty handy too that's on at 8 in the morning Abu yeah, Dhabi's on 5 though yeah. Abu Dhabi's 5 though so you're fucked well I mean it depends if that. one of my dumb kids does something stupid in the morning <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see <laughs> do, do, do kids do stupid things in the morning is that like is that prime time for kids doing stupid shit it's, it is like what's not impossible so my son is an early riser Okay. And what's not impossible is he gets up to go to the bathroom and then just decides, you know what? Sleep is for the week. And go and then I just hear him bang around downstairs at 5:30 when he should be sleeping. Like that's not wow, he, that's not a He is an early riser. Yeah. That's amazing. That I mean, he's that's one less kid you have to like shake in the morning to wake up. Yeah, no, the alternative is like it's pretty good. It's a it's like one of those good problems. Uh yeah. except when he's fucking around where he's like, "Dad, dad, dad." Dad, what's the switch password? I want to play arms online. Dad, 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 what's the switch? Dad, I'm sleeping, buddy. When I when I come down, you can play. Okay, ten minutes later. Dad, 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 are you up yet? Dad, dad, yeah. Except for that part. Except for that part. That's good. It's like a war of attrition to get his own switch at Christmas. Yeah. Good luck with that. Better pack a lunch. <laughs> yeah. Dave, thank you so much for joining uh, me this week. Uh, thanks for Absol- having me. As always, I serve pleasure. at the pleasure. You do, you do. You've been a great custodian of uh, of Shift F1 and of Alt F1 these past couple of years. So, uh, I'm much not appreciated. familiar with that podcast. <laughs> well, uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, before we even get to Brazil, Drew is going to return from Brazil, where he's been off uh, gallivanting around the place um, doing videos about video games. Have you ever been to Brazil Game Show? I didn't even realize that was the thing. I have not. I've heard it's really good. Um, I've been to Brazil for World Cup. Uh, oh, and that you was, lucky bastard! That was fantastic. Uh, I loved my time in Brazil, and then I went again the next year for Carnival uh, in Salvador. Um, nice. So I've been to Salvador, I've been to Rio, I've been to Fortaleza and Natal, and uh, I love, love, love Brazil. That's rad. I've never been down there. I've, uh, I've, I'm, it's great. I've, just bring, just like pack four phones, and you're fine. Because <laughs> you get st- they get stolen. It's all gonna the time? yeah like. Just there's two things to do in Brazil, like bring extra phones and don't worry that your, your phone's gonna get taken, so don't get upset about it. Okay, bring like, burner phones like yeah. shitty Nokia. Correct. Okay. Like bring them all, you know, extra SIM cards, and it's gonna get taken, and that's okay. Right? Just think about it as like a fucking baseball cap. You're gonna leave it on a bus somewhere. Yeah. Have you had Have you had phones stolen yourself? Yes. Every trip. Every trip. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, All right. it doesn't help that I'm this enormous white guy who just screams rob me. Like I don't know, but you're also an enormous white guy. No, but it's kids. These little swarms of kids. Oh, really? So the way the way the, the typical shtick is, if you're kind of in a crowded area to begin with, a bunch of preteens to young teens <laughs> swarm you and just start bumping into you, so you can't feel them going through your pockets. Got it. I haven't fight it anymore. It's just like, like yeah, like most of my money's in my shoes anyway. You know. <laughs> So it's like, go ahead. It's fucking Christmas up in here. 
Uh, Gotta be careful. That's when those toddlers all start bumping into you, and then yeah. your fucking shoes are empty, and you're wearing no socks. Yeah, I think that would be that would be bad on several levels. But yeah, yeah. so I I, well, I actually want to talk to Drew because I haven't talked to him since his last trip, and I want so I want to get a double trip report from Drew. So I'm excited. To oh hear yeah, him. yeah, yeah. He's off. He's doing his thing, man. I, we we flew all over the place with no clip last year. I'm staying put for a little while. Actually, that's a lie. I'm going back to Europe in like three weeks' time. But so how many how many uh, what's the shelf life on this friendship? Given that you're you're competing for Patreon dollars. <laughs> and it, before it starts to turn nasty is it was it months is it years like you do you know. think you'd sell more video games if there was less video games being made absolutely <laughs> yeah that's fucking no that's a dumb question look at steam you know little, if you, do a little research into something called the indie apocalypse my friend <laughs> okay yeah fair fair point yeah um yeah monopolies for- are pretty good for business as it turns out Right. I th- I think for okay, well I, you know, if you want to get into the business on this one, uh, Patreon is a marketplace that, where conversion is like the most important thing. So, getting people onto the platform is that is the hardest hurdle. So, uh, I think if we have more, I mean, there is a fucking law of diminished returns on that and there's certainly uh, I'm sure the the curve goes down the other side once you've got too many people on it, but Every time somebody who's like affiliated with like a community that I've been affiliated with joins Patreon, I always see a bunch of people join up on NoClip. All right, here's the like, here's the scenario though. You, I know this has to keep you up at night. If it doesn't, doomsday me. You need a new business manager if it doesn't. <laughs> All right, there's a bunch of people out there, right? Okay. They're they're on Patreon, and they're whatever. They got a good situation now, so they're they're NoClip, they're cloth map, they're kind of funny, they're what's good. You know, they're, they're patreon it up all over the place. <laughs> then one day they look at their credit card bill. They're okay. like, holy shit, I'm yeah. spending $75 a month at Patreon. What do I cut? I gotta, I'm cutting this in half. <laughs> do they cut everyone's donations in half? Probably not. They probably just say, you know what? Oh, yeah. You know what? I kind of like Drew Scanlon 1% more than Danny O'Dwyer. <laughs> I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut no clip out of the rotation. This is a fierce competitive marketplace. If I'm you, I'm watching your back for that blonde-headed beauty <laughs> chasing you down from behind. I'm watching them. Uh, we'll see. My name is Dave if, Lang, if, and I'm here to sow seeds of discontent. If the Patreon apocalypse happens, then you'll be the first person I call up to, <laughs> help, me, to help me crush. I can't through. help you then. I can help you now. It's too it's, late then, is it? It's too late then. <laughs> It is weird to run a, a business entirely on. It's it's weird to. I guess games are like even harder because you're you're. This is then now we're like if you cared about F one and you don't care about anything else, maybe tune off now. But I do. <laughs> this is fun. I feel like uh, any sort of business where you feel like I don't know your income is based on sales and you can sort of see that you know give and take. Like I'm. Is it still for like games that you're making that like the first couple of months are the most important? Oh yeah, for sure. It sets the tone. Um, right. Like but yeah, like the the stuff we work on. So there's like a bunch of different things we work on and most of them are actually like business to business things. So like we're not right. you know, we make a game, we do a version of a version of a game for somebody then they sell it. So we don't have to like sales <laughs> don't really matter to us in some regard. Right. But like yeah, the th- it's 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 weird when you know, you don't have direct control over the future of your business, you know, when it's hard yeah. to plan out like, okay, what are we going to do next year? Well, I have no idea how much fucking money we're going to have. So right. yeah, that, that part is tricky for sure. And uh, I imagine even more so for, for someone like yourself, but 
yeah, it's hard to it's hard to scale up is the problem I'm having. It's difficult to bank on scaling up because I'd love to scale up, but it sort of changes the fundamental way the business runs right now. It, we'd save money in one way, but it also I don't know it it so much of the stuff that we make is based on opportunity. Like somebody wants to talk about something now, and then I'm like filling it into the calendar, and like all of our stuff is public facing. So having yeah the sort of the the image of what noclip is doing is based entirely on the projects we take on and then the scale of those projects determines how much money we have to spend on them and if they're out of the country then that basically quadruples so it's kind of like it's a it's a weird i fucking love it i absolutely love it it's like the craziest business to run in the world oh yeah Um, do get through your own shit call your own shots make your own stuff i uh i do think the one the the one actual so all jokes aside about competition and all that i do think the one (laughs) legitimate business issue i have with what you've done so far is how hard you've dug in on the no ads on YouTube. Opposition. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's just dumb. Like, like <laughs> no one. I I can't imagine any meaningful amount of people that want to support Danny O'Dwyer wouldn't have done so if you had YouTube ads. Right. You know, like maybe whatever the percentage is, I can't believe that revenue wouldn't be offset by all the YouTube ads you'd be getting. So yeah, I think that was a pretty clear cut boneheaded move. I'm sure it felt good at the time, but. Uh, yeah, I don't like, so, and now you now it's you're so dug in on it you can't possibly back out. So in terms of like actual revenue, it would it would have been a, like a drop in the bucket. Like it, we don't we don't create enough videos. We don't have enough initial views. Well, no, but like, great but it's, it's it's money forever. Right? Yeah, but it's it's, it's much, so but, it's so little, and it's like to be able to say that we don't is what that's worth to me. Like yeah. it's so like it's so little. Yeah. Like, like, look at our views. You can add up all our views. We've we've streamed five, in like a year. We we five hundred five million views is what we had in a year. Yeah. Like, that's fucking. It's like not yeah, even no, I worrying it. about. I, so it's totally propaganda. But but <laughs> like my, it's, it's, I know. But like my, I guess my position on it is like I don't think it would have cost you anything either to get whatever incremental revenue that would have been. Right. That's true. But it does like separate us from everyone else. I mean, in, like, in a completely meaningless way. It, it's meaningless to like a lot of people but it's meaningful to like other people and now cue the comments everyone's saying i'm an idiot and you only signed up because it's youtube no no as ha 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 i'm an idiot i get it <laughs> like yeah these are all the same people that like were furious that the, X, the ps4 pro didn't have a blu-ray player in it or whatever the fuck it was right like no one cares I- probably it's probably a super vocal minority but i just love it i just i okay do you know what it is actually it's that like for years and years and years i always heard that the stuff that i was doing at GameSpot or the stuff that the that type of reporting that type of thing was always some sort of like loss leader was always some sort of like thing that added you know value to a company because it looked like there was some sort of original actual thought going on but it ultimately a cost too much to be worthwhile and advertising revenue from other areas was was plopping it up and i thought that was total bullshit i just thought people were making shit that no one wanted to watch <laughs> that, that was the problem Which, you mean, what do you mean so, unboxing videos aren't good <laughs> right and like it's so the fucking race to the bottom for like games coverage was just like and like ultimately the reason why this thing works in terms of the money is that like i wear five hats and jeremy wears five hats and we're just like very we do like a lot of people's jobs and we're not a crew of fucking 10 people and that's why we're able to do this stuff but like for me it was really important to leave and be able to prove to everyone that this is actually possible and that advertising is like fucking going down the shitter and not and it's nothing to like put your hat on in terms of future like five years down the road in terms of business 
and we're definitely never going to do sold for stuff and that's the next like level of that so i just wanted to distance myself from it entirely at least yeah. in my brain and in my heart yeah but i i take your criticism no, you're, I mean, a, business, it's, you're it's, a real it, businessman it sounds you're, really good i'll give you that that's the thing it's yeah. my pitch it's, it's I, I don't have i don't have the pitch if i don't have that in lieu of actual value it sounds good <laughs> Maybe you can come help me run this business sometime. Next time you're in DC, give me a shout, man. Yeah, man. I might, I might be there for a day in December. We'll see. A fucking amen. I'm here all December except for the end when I'm going off to Ireland to see my family. Huzzah. Which is now way closer. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, you're going to watch the Mexican Grand Prix live? You're going to watch it after no, the No, I'll probably not watch it live. Fair play. Well, enjoy your weekend with your kids. Enjoy Halloween the following weekend. Um, uh, uh, that's a weekend off. We've the, we have to wait two weeks before we go to uh, Brazil. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast and you're going to watch this weekend, enjoy as well. Uh, we got some great emails this week. Uh, I'm going to leave them until we talk to Drew. Uh, I believe he's back next week. I think he is. Um, uh, to, to talk about them. But if you have any more, please go to uh, f1.cool forward slash contact. Put them in there. Um, uh, I'm at Daniel DeWire on Twitter. Dave, who are you on Twitter? Uh, at Joseph J. Brody. It's beautiful. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, uh, thank you again so much for joining us this week much obliged uh, and uh, for you listening we will see you next week that was a bad one let me try let me do it again better <laughs>